Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 76. Let's roll. And we are rolling right through Combine Week. Man, this is like going to be, uh, you know, a little late to the game because we're recording this late Thursday night. We're going to get it out on Friday. But, um, you know, by the time you listen, who knows? It, you know, more guys in their underwear may have run faster than the other guys in their underwear ran. And we're going to be way behind the curve on underwear speed. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be the last guy to know, but you know it is what it is. But this is going to be a great show. I'm super excited. This is why, you know, this is why we play dynasty football too. This is the the off season where, you know, we get to we get to watch the combine and we get to digest all these numbers. It's not just about, you know, obviously guys in their underwear. I mean, that's a bonus. We all know that, but really what it is is taking all this information, all this data and trying to parse it and who's better at it. And nobody better to have on here than the owner and uh, and founder of the analytics of Dynasty. Here with me today is Jordan McNamara. Jordan McNamara joins us, returning champion from last year. Jordan McNamara, what's going on, buddy? Hey, uh, glad to be back. Glad to be with you guys. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here, and it's a good. You know, I was joking about this earlier on in the in the off season. It's, you know, everyone thinks it's a down class until you get to see some. Until you know, a bunch of middle-aged people get to see twenty-year-olds run around in their tights, and then yes. all of a sudden, everyone's all excited about the class. Like nothing <laughs> quite fires everybody up like that. So we're in full effect, and we're on the upswing up the upswing of rookie picks, especially with some of the forty times that we've seen tonight. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we are like I said, recording this on a Thursday where we got to see the wide receivers and tight ends run forties, as well as do some jumping stuff like that. We got measurements, but what we did notice is this a fast class at the wide receiver position? Mm -hmm. And I think that some guys, you know, there are some guys, I always say don't count it twice. You know, guy thought that we thought was going to run a four, three, five runs a four, three, six. You're not like, Whoa, Hey, now, you know, he was Mm -hmm. fast all along. You know, I'm thinking like Wandale, you know, Mm -hmm. Wandale ran a four, three, eight. Good for him. He's fast. We knew he was fast. That's great. I've got some guys that I think, you know, made me more excited about them than I was previously even though I knew they were fast, I didn't know they were this fast or if I didn't think they were fast at all. Um, I guess I'll start with you, Jordan. In terms of the wide receivers, was there someone that sort of stuck out to you as, hey, man, look at this guy? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I was earlier on in the in the week, I was, you know, just thinking, I'm just cracking into some rookie stuff now. So, like, I, I kind of waited until I like to wait a little bit further on in the process just because strategically, I think you leave a lot on the um you know, on the bone, if you will, uh, by jumping right into rookie drafts, you miss a lot of the stuff that just happened and you miss some key value opportunities early on in the offseason. So we tend to wait in terms of some of the rookie coverage that we do. Um, usually sometime between Valentine's Day and the beginning of the combine is when I really get into it in earnest. And this has been really the week. Um, I thought all along, like, I, you know, grinding the mocks is a great resource. Um, and I've been sort of tracking some of the some of the expected draft positions, seeing four, five, six guys maybe go in the first round for wide receivers. Um, and consistently at the end of that was Chris Olave. And yeah. I, I said, that's a really interesting, you know, just just kind of by looking at his profile, just just at a at a quick, you know, five minute look over, I said, if that's gonna be the case, right? If he's gonna be the last guy off the board, that's gonna be a really interesting one in the first round of um 
of uh, the NFL draft, like he's going to be a good target player, right? So that's kind of what I thought. Uh, and we'll see how that changes now. I'll be really interested to see how that changes because I doubt that uh, he's going to be the last first rounder off the board in rookie drafts if he was the uh, uh, if he runs you know a sub four three forty. Yeah, you, you're stealing my thunder because uh, we did talk pre-show, although I did mention a bunch of guys. I actually mentioned like 10 dudes, so you, <laughs> you, you were bound to steal my guy. Uh, but Chris Olave, you know, I, I said pre-show, and I'll say it right now, man, I'm heel-turning on this kid. Um, you know, last year I was a fan of Olave. I, I thought he should have come out. I was really excited to draft him. You know, actually him and Devontae Smith, uh, you know, I was excited for Olave coming out. And then, you know, and then um, he, he stayed in school and that kind of, I don't know, man, it just kind of put a little sour taste in my mouth. And then he got outproduced by Garrett Wilson and uh, Jackson Smith. And, you know, I was like, well, maybe he's just not. And now I'm thinking maybe he's just part of an offense that was dope. I mean, even in that offense, he did put up. Uh, 65 catches for 936 and 13 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really excited about Chris Olave. Um, and, and and you know, I'll be honest the the speed was not something that I exactly knew. I thought he was a little bit more of a slot technician. And yeah, um, you know, actually, um, Travis May was on the show and and was talking about his 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 average depth of target and how he was you know. Um, you know, going deep and getting some deep targets. And, you know, I went to player profiler and they had his high school time. Do you know what his high school 40 time was coming in? No. 4.73. Notably different. <laughs> right. The kid just ran a 426. <laughs> it might be unofficial, but it, it can't be any more, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's going to be, you know, four, three, Oh, like you say, I mean, right. right. Sub four, three. And uh, so this kid absolutely flies. He's only 21 years old. Uh, so he's not an old senior. Um, he was a young player coming in. Uh, I am now just I'm all in on Chris Olave, especially, you know, as you say, at his value. I, I don't think his value will stay there. But again, yeah, if I were drafting again, I mean, clearly over David Bell and, and players like that. I mean, obviously, David Bell's another one we'll talk about who, you know, did himself zero favors today. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I think. I think a good rule of thumb and something to remember, especially this week, is the the, the impact that the NFL Combine has is uh, is in sorting the guys, right? So uh, faster guys tend to go earlier in the draft, right? Yep. Faster guys tend to go early in the draft. You know, you know, um, that's I think something that you can see, especially a wide receiver like that kind of that kind of shows up. Um, uh, what I will say about this though is once you start looking like intra round, so if you're if you're trying to pick between guys that are first round uh, NFL draft picks, right, and one of them runs a four six and one of them runs a four four zero, right, assuming that they're both first round. Yes, I like picks, this take. I know where you're going. I love this. Th- th- there's no th- there's no predictive difference between those, right? So I, I do think, yeah. and, and this is one of the things that you know, strategically. I think we're really bad at picking players, right? It's picking between players. I think it's a really tough thing to do. Um, so strategically, cost ends up becoming such a big deal in, in the way I look at it. So if we're getting, you know, if you're kind of looking for the cheapest guy, right? And and listen, if a tenth of a second is going to be the difference between someone going in the mid first and in the early second, and it didn't really change their NFL draft pedigree, like that, that's a really good sign for for. 
uh, my ability to get them in dynasty rookie draft. So I think, yeah. you know, you, you, what we're seeing here is going to predict uh, draft pedigree or is going to signal towards draft pedigree uh, more so than it does break any ties once that draft pedigree is established. If that I makes love sense. that take. I love that take. That's exactly right. I, right. Because the, the speed's going to move guys up higher than they deserve to go, i.e. Henry Ruggs, and become in the conversation with players that they shouldn't be in the conversation with. And so, therefore, the speed almost is should be breaking the tie of the reverse. You should almost not take the fast guy at that, at that, at that round. I'm with you 100%. But I, I wonder about him and, and where he's going to go. But, yeah, I, I, I did the same research. Um, uh, I did my anatomy series this past couple of weeks, and I did the anatomy of a wide receiver, an elite wide receiver. I just take – it was the top uh, 18 <clears throat> dynasty wide receivers. Um, and I took those 18 wide receivers and I looked at their – um, you know, different metrics and, and stuff like that. And, and 40 time is one of them. And of the 18, you know, um, all but five of them ran faster, uh, slower than a four, four flat. So the mm-hmm. four threes and the four twos don't really do anything. As a matter of fact, most of these guys ran, you know, four, four to four, five. So, you know, and almost all, you know, the, only one of them ran faster than a four, six, but they're all right there in that four, 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 five range. Right. And so I'm with you. It doesn't necessarily mean, oh, he's fast. That means he's going to be elite. It just, you know, I, the, of the, of the top 18, only Cooper cup at 4.62 was the only one over four, six. I mean, for a while we had the, the data of Keenan Allen, at whatever he was, 4.75 or whatever, um, you know, sort of you know, as the outlier, but now it basically looks like if you're not a four, five or four, five, nine or better, you know, you may not be able to separate from these elite NFL corners. What do you think about that? And what do you think about a guy like David Bell? Um, I mean, I was a little bit skeptical. Are you all the way out or what are we thinking here now that he ran a four, six, five? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be, I think it's going to drop his draft pedigree, right? I mean, that's the, that's the thing that I would be I agree. most cautious about. Um, you know, and and again, I think if the market overreacts, then we'll be, we can totally flip to be the other side. You know, David yeah. Bell uh, coming into the week over at grinding the mocks, they had him at fifty six point seven, um, in terms of draft pedigree. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's a round three pick at best. Yeah, I'm don't kinda, you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think that I think that falls off. I mean, he did break out you know, early eighteen percent uh 18 years old for 20 percent breakout and then 19 years old for a for a 30 percent breakout so you like to see that I, yeah. I don't think he necessarily stands out uh as elite in, in really anything else um you know outside of that and then you look and he kind of fails the physical side of this but um you know so that would be the the, the caution that i would have i think it probably pushes down his draft pedigree yeah it's it's not awesome um he didn't jump particularly well so he wasn't exactly bursty either it's not like he just doesn't have that you know that speed i mean we'll see if he's got a little bit of agility i mean it'd be nice maybe something save us um there was just not much there i just think he might be one of those what what was the guy um kelvin Harmon, right i mean i'm just getting these kelvin Harmon 
vibes from him. And, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not loving that. You're right though. Everybody becomes a value at a certain place. And right. certainly in the third round of a rookie draft, I'll start looking his way potentially, but it, it uh, the story is still yet to be told. I, even pre-show we were talking and Michael P. Duncan was saying, you know, look, dude, a lot can change between now and, you know, when, when the draft happens and certainly when our rookie drafts happen, provided you're going to wait, which of course you should wait so we can enjoy all this time. Right. Yeah, totally. You got to, you want all the information, right? And that's oh, yeah. the, and you want everyone to overreact, you know, yeah. this is a, it's funny because it's the same story every year, right? People, all oh, this class is down, right. Or everyone's really hyped. And then, um, you know, and then you get more information and it's, you know, the, the, it changes, but I think generally like this is a good time of year for, for, um, the value of picks because they go up. Right. And yeah. Even, even in this, we've been ragging on this class for a year. And now I don't know what the exact metric was, but I was just flipping through and I saw that there was some, you know, record of guys. I don't know if it was sub four, four or something like that at the receiver position. Uh, it was some record of, of that. Like, and so you, all of a sudden now all you're going to hear is oh, this guy's a great value at, at X spot because yeah. of physical profile. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, this is going to, it's, it's, it's almost like we could have, um, you know, put it in a time capsule, opened it up and, and been here. So, yeah, um, I, I agree yeah. though. But I mean, I think, I do think, you know, as we started to digest this class, I'm sure you felt the same way even before today that this was a pretty good little wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of these deep wide receivers where you're like, huh, kind of interesting, you know, the, even the Calvin Austins and whatnot, but the mm-hmm. one guy who sort of, you know, came on the scene, I mean, he was a, he had a pretty good sophomore season with Trey Lance a couple years ago, but Trey Lance missed the COVID year. And then this past year he was great, but you know, Christian Watson put up 800 yards in, um, in that North Dakota state offense, uh, mm-hmm. which is, sounds like not very much, you know, in seven touchdowns, but that accounted for 44% of North Dakota State's uh, passing offense for a 90th percentile college dominator in his in his final season. You can maybe excuse away him not coming out as a junior. So early declare, we do like to see. He's also a small school kid. Um, he, he has a lot of positive data points on his resume now, including a very good dominator. And then the stories that were told about him at the Senior Bowl – I mean, you heard it here on this pod with Thor Nystrom coming on and saying this kid was clearly the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl, was dogging people and mossing people and flying past people. And now he goes out and runs a 4-2-8. A 4-2-8. He runs a 4-2-8. A size-adjusted speed score is going to be off the charts. You probably have that data there. But he's a 6-4, 210-pound player with over 10-inch hands. He jumped almost 40 inches vertically and broad-jumped 136 the kid's an absolute athlete and has the story to tell. So oh, I'm getting a little excited. Someone get me a glass of water, would you please, on this get, Christian Watson? I'm going to faint. I'm going to faint. Oh Someone God, said, you know, what, what would Al Davis be, uh, <laughs> yeah. be doing right now? And I would have been like, he just would have fainted. Uh, 99th percentile in terms of 40 score. Uh, his speed score is 124. That's 99th percentile. Um, vert is 85th percentile. Broad jump, 99th percentile. So, I mean, you're looking at a, at a massive athlete. Um, and, you know, I think the, the numbers are pretty good, too. I think he'll be held back a little bit by the by some of the um, 
the 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 smaller school nature of of yeah. North Dakota State, I think that will probably factor into how people will view him. And as well, they you know just the raw counting numbers there, they don't throw it a ton, right? Yeah. So I think yep. those things you're gonna have to sort of side eye that and say okay, but but ultimately, I mean. I, I think it's pretty interesting. One of the things I, and I have to go and watch it. I haven't watched it again. I'm just getting into the stats. I'm curious because he, he, at a disproportionately high rate, he's involved with contested targets and he doesn't get targeted a huge percentage of his routes. So that gives me a little bit of pause that he's not a, a big separator, but that doesn't necessarily fit with what you would think based on some of his stats. So I think there's that that's kind of where I'm going to be to look in terms of, you know, I'll trust people that are smarter than me on watching tape. Um, but I think that'll be an interesting thing. And he's not an, a huge uh, deep threat either. So that, that gives me a little bit of pause in, t- in terms of some of that separation stuff, but otherwise, I mean, all the tools are there for sure. Yeah. I think if you, <clears throat> I think if you watch some film, you'll change your tune a little bit. I think it's more offense based because mm-hmm. they would run some play action stuff where he would free himself up deep and he'd have the defense cleared by like 20 or 30 yards and it would just be gone. And that's yeah. how he averaged 25 yards a catch uh, his sophomore year. You heard that right. A quarter of the field per catch. Uh, you know, I mean, dude. So yeah, he's, he's kind of, it's interesting. You know, he doesn't, as you say, get targeted as much downfield, but I, I, I'm going to be excited to go watch all of his film now because he's someone that you really have to start considering, you know, after the, the big three, let's say, you know, the Garrett Wilson, Drake London, um, Traylon Burks, you know, there, then there's that next segment of wide receivers. He certainly finds himself there now. Um, you know, he was kind of pretty close to that. I had him at the backside of that big tier, but he's now dead center in that tier with Chris Olave and now both ahead of David Bell. Um, you know, and again, the, the, for me, don't, don't think that I'm overweighting the combine here because we knew Christian Watson was fast, but you know, I think a lot of people said he might, might run sub six, uh, four, four, and he's going to be in that ballpark for a big player. He's fast. Now he runs really fast. And so for that, I think he's, he, he's got a little bit more juice than we thought. And then, it's also separating this this tier, and I think this is also going to spell to draft capital. Now that we're saying, I think Christian Watson has real first-round NFL possibility to be drafted, and David Bell has real day three possibility to be drafted. You know, if, if, if that were to flip and David Bell would go to, you know, in the, in the late first and Christian Watson would slip to day three, which I think now is fucking impossible but if that were to happen i would change my tune again because that'd be new information but i think this information dictates draft capital as you previously pointed out you kind of with me here yeah i am and i i think that's kind of the key right and one of the things that you know we were talking about this beforehand like what's predictive what's not i i've become much more of a um I think a lot of it's random. And one thing that I have found, I think that's super reassuring to me and sort of maybe feeds into a little bit of my, uh, some nihilism that I have, but (laughs) it's that, that ADP has been random at, at, um, has performed no better than random at, at predicting, uh, fantasy success within first rounds of, of, uh, uh, first round wide receivers. Um, the same thing is true, by the way, of top 10 quarterbacks, right? So last year when you were drafting big spreads on those guys, it was, it was an interesting situation because being early hasn't exactly helped. Um, so that's the, that's 
but the wide receiver thing has really been something that I've taken to heart um, because I don't get into, I, I don't think wide receivers, especially rookie wide receivers make that big of a difference in terms of dynasty. Right. They can, but by and large, I think the odds that they happen, right. You get a Jamar chase, but you get a Justin Jefferson, but you know, you also like Justin Jefferson was the fourth wide receiver, almost universally in that rookie class, if not closer to five than three. Right. You don't. And that's kind of the point, which is, yeah, they can help, but we're not good at predicting the situation. We're really not good at at predicting which one it's going to be. And that gives me a lot of pause. And so generally what I say is like, hey, what's the let's take the last one or we'll take the last two. Right. Or, you know, would I rather go early on in a rookie draft or would I rather kind of wait? And say, all right, like, uh, hey, I'll trade down, you know, collect some future flexibility. And instead of taking the first or second wide receiver off the board, I'll take, you know, the sixth or seventh one, assuming it's still within that first round tier. Um, That's something that I have done more and more recently um, because going early at wide receiver has not been a historically successful strategy, uh, which is gives me a lot of. you know, especially against running back, you get smashed. I wrote about this in AOD 2022. If you're going early at the running back, early in rookie drafts at the wide receiver position, you're giving up a ton of a ton of hits, right? You're giving up a ton of um, you've dropped your hit rate pretty significantly just yeah. by not taking wide receivers early. You not taking you, running backs, you mean? Oh yeah, but not no. taking wide receivers, you increase your hit rate, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah if you yeah, just yeah, take yeah, if you're yeah. taking if you're taking running backs, you know, if you're taking yes. you know, first round tight ends, like if you're taking those types of players, right, that that sort of just by ADP, um, and just didn't take the first round wide receivers at their ADP, you'd be much you're better off better. over the long yes. term. Yeah. And so uh, what that signals to me is you have to be in on guys like that's why Alave was so sexy to me f- until about two hours ago when he's not <laughs> right. going to be the last person off in the draft. Now. <laughs> but, um, you know, like guys like Tony guys, you know, Waddle was further down there, right? There was, just, there was a big spread between some of those guys, but you go back a couple years ago, it was IU, right? It's, those guys, I think more and more, I'm more interested in the later guys. I'm typically not a huge rookie wide receiver guy, but I'm in on those guys because of, I think all of the sort of all the history makes sense there. And we have done a pretty bad job of predicting it. And so I just sort of, instead of paying up for the right to pick that, I'll just say, Hey, we'll just take the last one and just kind of roll with it and and see how it kind of turns out because we've haven't been that successful uh, as a, as a dynasty marketplace in predicting success. And there's a lot that we can't predict. So it's not entirely surprising. So that's really one of the big takeaways that I have from this is like, let's figure out a way to exploit it. Well, I think that's right, but I also think that there's been this sort of, especially in the last couple of drafts, as you point out, the 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 second round pick. I mean, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, right? These these guys, Michael Pittman, right? All these guys. There's been it's been deep at wide receiver, you know, sort of year over year. And yeah, there have been some elite guys. We'll get to one later in C.D. Lamb and Jamar Chase, and right. There's been Justin Jefferson. There's been some hits. There's also been some misses. Nikhil Harry, etc. Um, but I think in general, it's been a deep um, group where you can find, and I think that's going to happen again this year. Where you know, I, you know, I can just run through a, a you know, I'm just going to go through a list off the top of my head, and I'm going to name them and count them as I go. But Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, uh, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, Jalen Tolbert. Um, you know, that's about right. I mean, there's David Bell and a few other, right? So that's like 10, 12. There's like 10 
Well, that's almost a round in and of itself. Now you throw in a super flex draft, the quarterbacks, these running backs, a couple tight ends. That means somewhere in that mid to late second round, you're going to still be able to get one of these guys just by math. Like whichever one, like you pick one, it's going to come to you. So once we once we sort of figure this out, I'm with you that of that group, you know, you're almost better off taking the, you know, I, look, there was a couple spots where I didn't even want to take Elijah Moore or Jalen Waddle, <clears throat> excuse me, and I I did because that was the last one. I, I traded specifically back to like the 205, 206 in last year's draft where it was like Michael Carter, Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore, Sometimes Terrace Marshall, pour one out. But one of those guys always fell to me, and I was like, click, perfect, Mm 2.5, fucking pays off again. And it was every single time. And it'll be the same thing in this draft as well. Uh, You know, of course, who knows which one of them is going to fall, to your point. But I'm I'm with you 100%. The difference in this draft, no elite running backs. You know, we had the JT class, et cetera, the Najee, Etienne, Javante class. This class, we'll get there in a minute, but a little bit, a little bit shallower. Well, I shouldn't say shallow, but a little less elite uh, running back class. I wanted to ask you one more thing, and maybe we can just geek out on a couple other players before we move to a different position. I thought, um, uh, let, let, let me let me let me ask the question this way: Given what we know. Who is your wide receiver one in this class? I know you're more of a tier guy too. I'm I, I I rank by tiers, but if you had to pick right now, no trade backs, you're on the clock. Wide receivers up. Who you picking as your 1.01 at wide receiver? Honestly, I don't know. Um, no, nope. I, I don't. Can't do it. You got to pick. Yeah. You, you may not know, but you got to just tell me what your where your gut is because I'll tell you where mine is, and it's all over the place. But I'll tell you right now, if I had to for my life, I'm still picking Traylon Burks, and I don't feel great about it because I'm getting the it. I walk in the Traylon Burks, you know, dressing room, and it smells like Nikhil Harry in here, and I can't fucking shake it, and I just I get sick. I have to run to the bathroom. I can't. I don't know what's going on with this with this Traylon Burks, and yet I know in my heart of hearts it's probably not him, but. But I'm really, really skeptical. What are your thoughts here? Who's your wide receiver one? And talk to me about my Traylon Burks, uh, you know, gag reflex. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I just kind of love how everyone is is thinking about um, is calling themselves like this year's Debo Samuel. And I heard that with Traylon oh, yeah. Burks, so yeah. uh, that's always fun. Um, I mean, I listen. I, I think uh, I think there's going to be a variety of different guys up there. I mean, what I, what I want to see is how draft pedigree sort of sorts itself out. I think Burks is going to make some sense up there. I think Drake London kind of depending on where he goes. Love Drake I think, London. I, I think you could make a case for him. I think there's going to be a variety of guys. I, I sus, my suspicion would be that there's not going to be a, a clear cut wide receiver one. That's I my hunch. I agree with yeah. that. But, but if you had to pick right now, who'd you pick? I'd probably pick Drake London, but yeah. that's an initial yeah. take that I haven't really thought. Dude, it's too so far close. I'm, but I have those three guys, and and what are your thoughts about you know whether it be analytically or even just whatever about uh, Garrett Wilson, who I'm I'm looking at a four three seven here. Certainly did not hurt himself. He was a little a little slight of frame. I did not love that as he is very very lean. Um, what what do you think of Garrett Wilson here? Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when you stack them up, I, I saw him going ahead of Chris Olave. And when I stacked up all the stats, Olave was just better than him pretty much across the board in terms of some of the stuff that I look at yards per route run, for example. Um, you know, he tops him. the percentage of his routes he's targeted on is better. Um, 
by a pretty wide percentile too. Um, they're both good, but uh, it, love is significantly better there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and that, that some of those separation metrics, I, I'll, uh, you know, I say, well, the interesting part is Olave basically doesn't break any tackles. Huh. So he's like a bottom 4% in terms of he breaks a tackle once every uh, 19.6 uh, receptions uh, compared to Garrett Wilson, who does it at a high rate. So again, you're just looking at, you're, you're looking at very different players. Um, that's the thing as I sort of see all this, like I, I came into this with the lens of like, I don't know at the top who, who exactly I feel comfortable with, but I know if there's going to be a spread, I like the guys that are going to be at the bottom. Like I think Jamison Williams is going to be a really interesting case because yeah. if the, if you know, he's, he's, he got hurt at the end of the year. And if the argument for him is like, well, you know, he's going to have to be, you know, he's a later first round pick, you know, he might miss the year and those things. And then he becomes wide receiver, you know, five, six, seven, eight, something like that in this class. I'm automatically going to be in, right? Because I think that's a really good bet on, um, you know, that's a, it's a really good bet on, on playing the long game. Right, you're playing the long game in a way. You're shooting for a really high upside player. I think he there's a good chance he would have been wide receiver one in this class had he not gotten hurt. Right, so that yeah. that's a different way. I think I could play this. Uh, I'm sort of more, and I will rarely pick the wide receiver one in a class. So just because, again, my skepticism here is <laughs> is well founded and historically based. I don't know at the, up at the top, <laughs> but I can tell you uh, there's going to be a tear break at the bottom of the round, and I sort of I can identify that one a lot easier. Me so too. I end up yeah, wanting to pick you. there. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I actually 100% agree with that. I was thinking about you today because I knew you were going to be on the show and I knew we were going to, you know, talk about stuff. And I, I know that some of my loyal listeners remember, you know, you and I and, you know, everything. And what was interesting was I was thinking how, you know, and I was thinking about my conversations on Twitter with uh, another famed fader. And I'm like, it's so much better to fade. Like if you fade everybody, you're probably going to be right. Like, you know, there just in general, just fade everybody. You know, it's like yeah. everybody's going to suck. Tell you know, you're going to be right more. You're going to have more hits if you say everybody's awful than right. if you say everybody's good. <laughs> right. Like you, you know, so I get it, and so it, you know. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, I I do get excited about um uh, about Traylon Burks. I'm I'm just not sure. Uh, yeah, he's somewhere in the Debo Samuel. AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, fucking genome, and mm-hmm. you know what? You know what does he have more of this or that or you know I don't know, man. You know so I, it, yeah, I I'm betting on him to be better than 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 Nikhil Harry for sure. That's mm-hmm. a hot take, but um, you know it's like how much ceiling do we really have in this kid? And I, I get pretty excited watching him play. Um, he, he's just able to really win on the outside. He's, he's a really natural player out there. He, he you know, some people th- thought he was going to be very fast. He runs a four, five, five. He's certainly not very fast, but when you factor in the fact that he weighs, you know, almost 230 pounds at six, two, he's, he's very fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, yeah. And the interesting thing about this class is you're, and the reason I'm, I've been sort of skeptical about this, and I actually love the fact that all these wide receivers are running fast because it gives you outs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as you believe, if you're like me and you're like, let's just fade everything. Uh, because I, I, I'm i a firm believer in 
wide receiver uh, uh, rookie classes are only as good as uh, the amount of first round running backs there are and top 10 quarterbacks there. And then after that, it doesn't really much matter. Yeah, um, right. It all blends in after that. And you look at the hit rates, you look at all of that, right? What matters, right? First round running backs, top 10 quarterbacks, you know, selectively, that's a more nuanced conversation, but I'm not like, if we set the line at a half, um, if we set the line at one and a half of those combined, I'm taking the under, right? If we set the line at a half, I think it's probably closer to maybe even, right? And so uh, it'll be really interesting to see where this goes, right? And then you're you're picking two running backs, non-top 10 quarterbacks, or first-round wide receivers. Like, those are all... Uh, you, you come back and you feel kind of lethargic about the class overall. But yeah. I kind of like the fact that everyone's running fast because it'll get everyone juiced up and I can kind of move down and take some more, um, you know, hopefully get some veterans and maybe take some later shots on some guys, you know, just kind of working my way down the board a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. And and, and here's the guy that I'm starting to get re-excited about. I, I can tell you that, you know, I one of the main things that I know you look at this too is early production. And so a lot of times I'll just look at, you know, which of the freshman wide receivers, you know, dominated and were and really showed signs. Uh, and one of the guys that did that was at age 19 in Georgia had, you know, 49 catches, 727 yards and eight touchdowns, um, you know, almost 15 yards a catch was George Pickens. And I was like, George Pickens is the, you know, you know, 2022 uh, uh, wide receiver one book it. And then he goes out and gets hurt. Mm-hmm. and never makes it all the way back. And then he just kind of went out and ran a 4-4 flat at 6-4 or whatever he is. So uh, I, I'm probably all the way back in on George Pickens a bit. But, you know, again, I think at value. And and so when you tell me that George Pickens will be available, you know, is George Pickens the arbitrage Traylon Burks pick at, you know, trading your, you know, your 1.03 for a 2.01 or the, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and moving back and taking one of those guys, um, it may be the right move. You know, obviously I will be trading back as always, as it sounds like you will too. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of that, you know, um, do you do you tend to try and trade back in rookie drafts as you do in startups? Or do you tend to, you know, sort of play it differently depending upon the class? Um, I, the, I have pretty, I can pretty confidently say that my days of ever trading up for a wide receiver ever yeah. again in the history of dynasty are over. Um, <laughs> I can pretty confidently say that, yeah. um, because it's such a bad bat that I've come to appreciate that. Um, so I'll never do that again. Um, right. it's sort of my, it's sort of my thought, especially early in a rookie draft. Like if there's a clear tear break or something like in the second round, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's but, different. Yeah, yeah. but not, not up, at, you know, into the first round or at any sort of expensive cost. Yeah. yeah. I think um, trading up late, like in third and second round is totally, totally 100%, 1000% different than trading up in the first round. Totally. Right. I'm with you. Right. And it's funny because I was, um, I have kind of evolved, right? So I used to do that. I'd be like, I need to get all the way up to the top of the board. And again, I think you can, there are situations to do that in a wide receiver laden class at the top. That's not the, it's not the class to do that. in. Um, you know, when it's top heavy in running backs, it's top heavy in quarterbacks and the like, that's when you kind of make that thing. Whereas that's actually flipped yeah. on the head of what I do in, in startup drafts now, right? I used to be Mr. Consistently trade down. Um, now I'll aggressively try and move up 
uh, you know, especially if I can get two first round picks, um, as long as the cost is not a future first. Right. right. As long as I can do that, I'll do, I'll basically do whatever I need to do to make that happen. Yeah. But for give a future first. And it's assuming that one of the specific target quarterbacks is there. Right. So when you combine and, and so you sort of combine those and, and hold on, I'm going to interrupt you. So just dynasty startup strategy. I actually uh, love this take because I'm sort of, I wrote the book on trading back, but I also think right now that with these top five and then maybe top, eight to 10 quarterbacks that are available, especially in a super flex league. If you can trade up and you have two of them, you know, Herbert Burrow or Mahomes, Kyler or whatever the hell you, however you want to Josh Allen and you know, right. So Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, Lamar, that sounds great. Um, If you can get those two guys locked up, the rest of your roster makes less difference in a, in a super flex league. Right. So it makes less difference and you have time to fix it around the quarterbacks who tend to have longer staying power, especially if they're proven elite quarterbacks. So that's a great, great um, strategy. And what I I, what what you're basically saying is, you know, I'll I'll give you my whatever I'll trade from the 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 fourth to the eighth round and from my, you know, I'll give you my ninth and twelfth round picks, too, on top of that, just to move, you know, into the first round or whatever. Right. So. Yeah. Now you've got those two first round picks. You still have enough picks to pick and you still have your future first secured. So you're not giving up the opportunity to build around those quarterbacks with stud running backs and other quarterbacks. Right. So exactly right. And, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that if, you know, when I trade back, I'm certainly the, the starting price is a future first. Right. <laughs> so like it's going to be a future first. And then some shit, you know, so that, that, that's, that's where, you know, your, your strategy of moving up is the same as mine moving back. It's just, we would never be trade partners either way because we both agree. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because I think as a, you know, everyone wants to trade back. Yeah. I mean, I think people go into rookie drafts and, you know, in this book, in the 2022 edition of AOD, I wrote a chapter called the confessions of a, um, you know, I'm a recovering productive struggler. Yeah, and I think all the things that I ever did in terms of of doing the productive struggle, in terms of following that, um, especially in startup dress, I think that was all a mistake. Um, and I and through a lot of research, uh, and through a lot of improvement in my dynasty process and my research, and um, all the things that I've done in terms of writing, um, I think that's the wrong approach. I really do, um, for a lot of reasons that I sort of lay out in the book, but. I think the the just from a, a competitive balance perspective, I mean, it's right. If if you're playing twelve people, right, you have to right. You got a, a random shot. You got a, what an eight percent shot to to win you know the championship. But you're not at any point ever playing against twelve people. You're just not because there's a quarter of your league that's not competing, right? So there's a quarter of your league that they're playing for the future. I'm going to rebuild, or you know, and and you start looking at dynasty strategy and you see polls like you know I included this in the book as well. Like someone put out a poll, um, you know, what's your favorite part of of dynasty? And like thirty nine percent of people said winning a championship. Sixty uh, percent of people said something other than that. 
right? right. 60% of people said something other than winning, which is crazy, right? And it's building a young team, trading for future assets, you know, um, and, and the, you know, evaluating, you know, um, uh, young players, right? like all the things that are sort of the antithesis of winning a championship. And so I sort of look at that and I'm like, well, wait a second, there's a huge, right? If, if that's all going to be the case, right? If everyone else wants to do something else, um, and I just want to sort of lean right into winning, right? How do I, well, how do I do that? Right. Superstars matter. Right. And I think people want to say, Oh, I'm going to build a strong, deep core. Like that's, I don't think that matters really all that much. Right. We, we give that too much credit because the difference between player 80 and player 180 is not that big. Right. It's, it's a lot smaller than the difference between player 80 and player 10 is. Right. So when you start looking at those things, right, the, the, uh, I think people misunderstand and maybe miss, um, uh, not even necessarily misunderstand. I think they, they misplace their, um, their comfort levels on things. Because you want people to say, well, I want to have a really deep team so that way I have, you know, in case there's a lot of injuries and stuff like that. But in reality, it, it's a really tough range to pick players. And at the same time, you're not, uh, they're not players that tend to make that much of a difference, right? So I would rather use all those assets. And another thing, like, you know, we'll get to the CD Lamb thing in a second. I viewed last year really simply, it was super simple. I said, listen, if I trade my second and my third round pick, this is basically the difference between taking a guy like Trevor Lawrence or some of those guys. Um, I was basically trading my my thought process is I'm basically trading from kind of that tier of quarterback to an elite tier of quarterback at the cost of essentially um, going from CeeDee Lamb to Amari Cooper. That's basically what it was, right? That's basically what the I was willing to go from like the third round of my startup draft to like the seventh or the eighth, something in that range to to facilitate a move up into the first round to get a quarterback I wanted. You do that a million times over, right? You do that every single time because outside of a, of a wide receiver that's a top three to five guy that's a really guaranteed difference maker in terms of the targets that they get, it's tough to predict wide receivers in that range, right? And if that's the price, right, you have to think about your roster in terms of what you need to sacrifice. You know, you have to be weak at some spots to be better at other ones, right? You, there's a trade-off in terms of that thing. You can't be elite at every position. Um, you know, you sacrifice where it doesn't matter, which is kind of in the mid-range of the wide receivers because I can do that with 30 different guys. I can figure that that thing out. Yeah, there's I only totally, a handful totally, of difference-making quarterbacks. I totally agree, and... But but I think it also depends upon what what the league looks like. You know, like in other words, is it a shallow starting roster or deep starting roster? You know, there's a few leagues I've been playing in lately that are like super deep starting rosters. Plus, they're either 14 or 16 team leagues, in which case the quote unquote depth matters way more. Whereas if you're playing in a more standard 12 team start 10 it matters way less. I'm, you know, and so more, more standard to what people play, you know, start a quarterback, start two running backs, start three wide receivers, start a tight end, start a super flex, maybe a two flex. That's 10. You know what I mean? So start 10. Well, that's not that bad, especially in a 12 team league. It's 120 starters, you know, total. That's one thing. But when they're, when you're starting to start one player, 180. You know, because it's a 14 to 16 team league with start 12 or more. Now it starts to become, hey man, depth is going to matter. I want to move my, you know, my, it sounds crazy, but my 20th round pick into the top, you know, 120. That's a huge advantage. 
to get a guy who's actually a starter versus, you know, Corey Clement or what, I don't know who the fuck, I'm, you know, right? So if I can stack a few a few uh, 11th and 12th round picks up in there where I can get guys that at least play on Sunday to start at the back of my bench, it matters. But not all leagues are that way, and not all not all teams can be created that way. And and in terms of productive struggle, you had mentioned it early on. I never, you know, I didn't write the productive struggle, and I I had Ryan McDowell on the on the pod last year, and I asked him about. It. I remember he said, I just listened to it recently because I was curious about what he had said, and he said something like, um, you know, if tanking isn't for you the first year, if like if losing isn't for you, then this isn't the strategy for you. And I thought, well. That isn't my strategy. My strategy isn't to lose in year one. My strategy is to try and move back, but not so far back that I'm outside the realm of starting position players because I also agree with you that, you know, the the guy who I'm, you know, right now, Cortland Sutton and Juju Smith-Schuster are going in like the 10th and 12th rounds. Like, yeah, I want those picks. Like, I want both those guys, right? I don't just want one. And, you know, when you're in a startup and you say, hey, man, yeah, just trade your, you know, this and that, and then my 16th for your 12th or my 17th for your 11th. People are like, yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care back there. It's fine. And they give you that. And so I'm able to transact. I was thinking about this the other day, too. I want to volume transact. I want to transact so many times that I'm winning on the margins of each transaction where I'm just – you know, gaining and gaining a little slices of value where now I have, holy shit, I have four 12th round picks and I didn't really give up much. I just moved back a few times, like from the two, three to the three, one or whatever. I don't give a fuck. Like you say, I don't care about the difference between the two, three and the three ones. I'll probably fuck up the two, three anyway. Might as well just, Mm -hmm. you know, let myself get to the three, one. I'm probably mess that one up till I move back again. Right. So that's really it for me. It's not necessarily a productive struggle or I'm tanking or I'm giving up or I'm not going to want to win this year. It's more that I'm trading back to gain more and more value in the higher rounds where I still, I, I'm, I'm with you. I get to move from four to seven. If I can move from four to seven, you know, the fourth round and the seventh round, I should be able to get a like a first round pick. So mm. you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll always trade, you know, uh, CD Lamb for DJ Moore plus a 23 first, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, of course. I love CD Lamb. I'm still doing that deal. You know what I mean? So what, and, and I think, so I think it's two ways of saying the same thing. Um, but I'm with you. I think the strategy has to have those realities in its mind to understand what you're really trying to accomplish and don't get married to the player, get married to the, to the strategy. Yeah. I mean, here's the, here's what the other thing that I'd say about that is the difference. And so in the book, I've I've got a metric that I always use called warp, which is wins over replacement player. And so I did a whole bunch of analysis on that. I actually, I disagree with you on the aspect of like the 20th round pick Um, because what you see, like that's a very fluid range. And so the, the difference between like, uh, you know, and maybe this is, maybe it's a little bit more than this, but like the difference between, um, you know, running back 30, for example, running back 50 in terms of expected warp is like, I don't know, like, uh, in terms of odds of basically producing one warp, it's like seven or eight percent. Right? That's the difference between um, running back five and running back one. <laughs> like, that's a big difference. You know what I mean? Like it's a very flat range, and so and even like you're taking twenty percent shots in that in the mid, you know, in the early to mid hundreds, you're taking you know. 20% shots on guys being difference makers. Um, you know, at the end of, you know, when you get into the early 200s, you're maybe taking 
10 to 15% shots, right? Um, so it didn't end up being that huge of a difference. And I think the elite players matter, like this, the, the, uh, especially when you look multiple years out, right? Like whatever that immediate cost that you're going to pay, you have to, I, the way I think of it is think of, all right, let's make instead of this deal, thinking about it right now, about like who I might start in week four um, as my 15th or my 14th person in my starting lineup. Think about it instead of like, all right, if I'm going to look back in two years from now, am I going to w- let, you know, um, Ronald Jones get in the way of me trading up from, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence to, I don't know, um, you know, Justin Herbert, right? Or whatever, right? You have to think of, I think of it that sure, way. I'm never drafting Ronald Jones. Zero care, zero shares. Please continue. I, I, get, the, I get your point. I'm saying pick any player in that range. Sure, pick, I will. As a matter of fact, range. let me do this. Let me do this. You, you, we're talking about like the, the you know, 10, 10 rounds to 12 rounds, somewhere in there. Well, right now, Tyler Lockett and Cortland Sutton are right around pick 120. That's what okay. we're talking about. If you start moving to like pick 140, you're talking about players like even Cole Komet or Christian Kirk. If you go to picks 250, the 240, which is you know that that sort of 20th round, you are now really, really searching to try and find a guy that's going to be good. You know, it's it's really a lot harder uh, once you're back there. You know, it's just it's really hard. You're you're having a hard time finding starting players. You're Donald Parham, you know, Quintez Cephas zone. And so that's all my point is, is that, you know, yeah, there's some, there's some guys back there, but it's really harder to find. And so I just, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you actually, because I agree that I would not let any of those 10th, 11th, 12th, and so forth and so on picks get in the way of me getting from, you know, Baker Mayfield up to Lamar Jackson, right? You know, from a fifth round pick or whatever, Baker's probably a bad case, but you know what I mean? Whatever it doesn't matter who you pick your pick your player Matt Stafford to Lamar Jackson whatever, but what I'm saying is you know is if you're gonna so first of all if I'm ever trading out of the first round it's a it's a big price tag but when I'm trading out of maybe I won't trade out of the first round maybe I'll take take that you know stud quarterback maybe I'll even I'll use your strategy I'll move up again and I'll I'll draft another stud quarterback and I'll give up some, some value, but I'll recoup that value by trading out of the, excuse me, the third or fourth round and moving just back around and just getting a a, a couple of more opportunities to move my stuff up later. Um, Because like you say, the the difference between a third round pick and a sixth round pick is probably not that big a difference. And I agree with that. Yeah. And I think it matters to what you want to take. Like I would never recommend if like, if you, if you want to compare, um, wide receivers in like the 10th round to wide receivers in 20th round. Like I, it's not a fair fight, but if you right. want to, if you want to compare wide receivers in the 10th round to running backs in the 20th round, like I, then I think you're sure. fighting, you're fighting yeah. a better, like that's, I mean, I mean, you, you smashed Cortland Sutton's production last year with Daryl Williams. I mean, you <laughs> you start looking at the running backs that you could take in there. You actually had difference makers versus the wide receivers in that in in the range of of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Not quite so much, right? You you have, and again, I don't care. Um, I I care much less about how my team sort of looks on paper or what other people would say about it than how many points I can get at the score, right? That's all I really care about. Um, and so what what will happen is, is you'll see these spots like Devonte Booker is always there. Like um, you, you just look back in the, I mean, last year I couldn't 
like I had so many shares of Daryl Williams just because he was free. You know, people were just giving him to me and you, you just, you're like that. Okay. And then that's what happens. I mean, now you look this year, it's like Jamal Williams, it's Dearness Johnson. I mean, it's the same, right? Every year it's the same thing. Sooner Michelle was like a 24th round startup pick last year, right? Yeah. Like in August. And it's like, okay. And I'm starting him in key spots down the stretch last year at different, you know, at different spots. And you piece those things together. And I mean, heck, Gus Edwards is going 191 at keep trade cut right now. Like, again, it's just that range is just so fertile that of uh, if you're willing to say, all right, like, I don't know who, again, it, it takes a level of um, uncertainty, right? Which is to say, like, I, it's January. I don't know who, or, you know, it's if you're doing it in January, if it's now it's March, right? I don't know what, what. August is going to look like. I really don't know what September is going to look like. And I definitely don't know what December is going to look like. Right. But if I'm looking right now, like what's the most, what's the most predictable thing that I can say about the 2022 season as I sit here on March 3rd, that the elite quarterbacks are going to be good. That's the best bet that you can make in all football. It's the best bet because that's the thing that repeats. Yes. Right. So it becomes, the the question then becomes is like, all right, well, if I want to make a bet, what's the best bet to make right now? Like, let's just bet on that. And, you know, and so I go back and I look and like, I, I'm a Stafford guy. Right? I, I have Stafford. And last year I had a trade at this time. It was earlier. It was January. Um, I, I traded, again, all players that I like above market. I traded Stafford, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Mike Evans uh, for Mahomes, right? And... Like I'd do it again in a heartbeat, right? Like the the wide receivers in a range of of the, again that I like, but it's wide receivers in a range that I can access a lot of different ways, and I'm getting the best asset in dynasty fantasy football, right? Again, and I like Stafford, right? But the cost of doing that isn't that much when you consider how how different you can get wide receivers and sort of how you can make that up. And so that's the thing that I think about. We worry about, we think about ADP is like a line when in reality, it's not a line, it's a curve and the curve, instead of looking like a straight line, it looks like a roller coaster. Whereas you're sort of coming off the top of it and you just kind of go straight down really steep and then you flatten out. Right. And so people are trading along the thinking it's a line, but in reality, they're they're missing a huge part of the curve. And so I think that anytime you can take a shot on a lead asset, right, it matters so much. And so that's yeah. why I think you have to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, ultimately, the running backs that are deep. Look, here's the deal. Running backs, all they need is opportunity. They don't need skill. That's why Daryl Williams can be you know, fantasy friendly. That's never going to happen for Quintez Cephas. He'll never be the lead wide receiver. You know, it's never going to happen. Like, you know, literally there'd have to be like a a pandemic or something like that for that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, (laughs) global pandemic. Is it too soon? Never going to happen. Never going to happen. It's totally too soon. Oh man, the NFL just announced (laughs) that the official time for Chris Olave was three four three nine. No way. And Taekwon Thornton was four two eight. Are you serious? That's what Schefter just tweeted. That's fucking great. Of course it is. This fu- how the fuck did they go from? That's a that's a tenth of a second. That's a huge difference. It by was the way. four two six. It can't be four three nine. These guys are assholes. What a bunch of idiots. That's yeah. like the uh, the Andy Isabella one where he, uh, this is so stupid. All right, four three. Okay, that makes more sense. Four two six means that he's like the fastest kid ever, according to Superman. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's better. Thank you. Uh, I that's, see it uh, adjusted on uh, on the you know in Christian Watson four three six. Thank you. I was like, how the fuck are these guys? You know, 
So, and, and that also limits the number of guys who ran under 4-4 to like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So there you go. So not as many fucking 4-3s. <clears throat> Looks like they were using, a, you know, the metric system or some shit when they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they were. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. NFL, more official times. Yeah. 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 The NFL just tweeted out the, the official times. <laughs> well, I, I, easy. Whoops! Yeah, uh, one of my one of my subscribers in our group chat was talking about um, was, was, talking, was like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna realize that it was actually like thirty five yards, and they're gonna have to rerun it. <laughs> like <they mismeasured>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so stupid! What the hell, man? I mean, it makes more sense. Pickens instead of four flat is four four seven. This all makes more sense. Where, you see, yeah, where you, did it post up at NFL.com? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just refresh yeah. it now. I mean, yeah. geez, Louise. Garrett Wilson still at four three. Well, th- this is why you have to wait for this stuff. And you know, like I said, the the men in underwear running fast is fun as fuck. But you know, you got to wait for the official time. So, so can we? Is, by the way, this is this is why game theory on this for a second. This is why you can't take pro days because all these fucking bullshit times would have been what they would have run at their pro days. Like this right. is stupid. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so let's use a little bit of your game theory on this for a second. This is actually great if you're like if you just uh, like I don't believe in anything, right? Which is yeah, like, yeah. just like this is all a bunch of like this is all stupid. <laughs> Right. If you just sort of yeah. reject the premise of this all, because everyone's overreacted to it and, you know, they've moved these guys up. And then in reality, it's like, no, no, like they've already anchored it. Right. They've anchored to, they've re anchored themselves yes. to being like, oh, Christian Watson ran sub 4 3. Yes. Right. Or, you know, and 4 3 6 is still great, but he's like, great. He, he, you know, if it's an interesting, it's a first initial reaction, you know, as a, as a, uh, you know, a psychological thing. You have to readjust for that and just be, you know, yes. just be careful. And I think the market will probably overweight some of these speeds because of that. Right. So yeah. I think it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon that we'll be seeing here. Well, it's like you and I both are, you know, I, you know, I'm so, I'm such a pragmatist. I'm always like, you know, I'm, I'm always hedging my, my opinions. And even though I have strong takes, sometimes I'm like, I'm fucking not sure about that. You know, yeah. like even the Traylon Burks, it's like, man, I, I see a good player, but you know, I have PTSD from, you know, even yeah. Corey Davis, you know, it's like, right. I, you know, so it's really just a matter of trying to spot the, the, the landmines, you know, if you run right. through a field and you blew off your leg, you're not going to fucking limp across it again. So crazily, you're going to be like, this leg is important. I don't want to lose it. So, right. you know, I'm going to look for the fucking landmines this time, you know, so it's kind of important to, to, to look for the things that we missed last time, you know, the Jalen Ragers, the, you know, who, whoever you missed on, you know, in your rookie drafts, when you did this, we all did it. You know, we've all made mm-hmm. fucking terrible mistakes. T- Terrace Marshall, you know, it, it happens mm-hmm. every year. So um, you just want to try and avoid those guys. It's really your whole point about trading back is like, at least if you avoid it by not making the, the bad pick, you actually made an okay trade to take another player that may or may not be a good pick, but at least you got some value in taking that guy, you know, or you like, can take two shots instead of one. Right, exactly. like I, I, I love, like, like I, and and it's it's funny because I will give the advice to subscribers, people that buy the book, and a lot of it is based on like the dirty little secret of the analytics of dynasty is all the stuff is based on the mistakes that I've made. Yeah, it's all like, all right, like I screwed this thing up like three years ago. Like, what what mistake did I actually make? And you look back on it and you say, all right, well, like 
hey, hey, hey <laughs> yeah, it's like be like, hey, this this thing that happened that you were that you just ignored, like or whatever, right? You you have to you have like that's 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 what the that's what AOD is, and so you know the the Rager thing, right? I mean, you know, mm. we I liked Rager a lot, you know, and and I mean, heck, people like Judy. I mean, again, Justin Jefferson was clearly the fourth guy in that class, um, you know, by ADP and closer to fit than third, and so you know, and and a lot. Right. If you just had sort of done that. And at one point I, I was doing that. Right. I, I actually had Rager and then I couldn't really pick between the other three. And this was before I had done my the found the research that actually kind of proved this idea. But I traded Judy and, you know, the pick that would have been Judy for um, the pick that was Justin Jefferson in a second. Right. Again, I just I don't know. I, I don't know. And that's the thing that I've I think from a dynasty fantasy football analysis from a, you know, if, if you're being, um, you know, truthful. Um, and I think if you're being, you know, if, if you're looking for someone to trust in terms of what, what their process is, there is so much uncertainty that if you don't have someone telling you, you know, listen, I don't know the answer to that. Right. Or like here, like this is kind of a mixed bet or like, it's really close or it's like, I, I, I just don't know. That's actually really powerful, right? And yeah. you should really think when when someone is willing to tell you that, that should tell you a lot. Not that like, hey, I'm super certain about this, right? When someone says they're really certain about something, it gives me a lot of pause, right? Because I we we should know how much uncertainty there is, um, and and I think that the thing that actually can get you credibility, or the, you know, if you're thinking about people and they're expressing a lot of uncertainty, that probably is doesn't mean they're not prepared it means they probably understand it that to a point that it's not really predictable and i think that that's something that you know two years into my my analyst career if you will i was a lot more certain about stuff and it's like the u2 quote like the more i see the less i know right like i just i have which has actually been one of the quotes that um you know was at the front of aod um you know we sort of and again so harnessing that that, that uncertainty and letting other people, you know, I, I view a trade down as, as you're, you're the tax collector on someone else's certainty. Like you, you, yeah. what, you know, you're just, you're just charging a vig on that. So, yes. Okay. Like, and I, I, th- I love that as a process. Be like, you want to be so certain, like you go ahead. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll just embrace the fact that I'm not sure. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think I do that more so in spots where I'm not sure, like where right. I was kind of sure was JT, right? Like I didn't, I yes. didn't think yes. like, right. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if he's the 1.01. I was like, no, no, JT is the 1.01 motherfuckers. Right. Like I said that loud and proud. And you so, can do that by running back than a wide receiver. It is I totally easier. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do that running back wide receiver because you because they can they can control kind of their outcome more than receivers can. Yeah, right. right. That's totally. That's that's the thing that I think that you know, and so you and that's the other thing that was really funny about that that Clyde Edwards-Helaire class was like when you compared him to um, JT. And and by the way, if you go back and looked at at if you put those guys on a graph, like it hasn't been linear, right? Like it hasn't been. They were all over the place. Like it was, you know, it was JT at first, and then it was Clyde Edwards Lair was like the toast of the town for six months, and then, you know, and then he, um, JT started bad and was in a committee, and it was Swift, and then Swift was benched, and it was, you know, it was Acres. I mean, they were all over the place. If you had just traded between them, you'd be a um, and come out on the JT side, you would have been a gajillionaire if you just traded traded high and bought low on all of those guys. Um, you could have made tons and tons of reward. Um, but I think running back's a lot easier to get that right at, right? Because 
um, and the Edwards Lair profile, like we should do a, um, you know, an autopsy on that whole scenario, but his profile wasn't that good. He's no. overdrafted and he wasn't that good of a college player. <laughs> right. And, and he wasn't, you know, and, and people were like, Oh, he caught the ball. Like he didn't really, he didn't really do that. Like he's always no. been an inefficient receiver. He just ran a ton of routes. Correct. And that's the thing with him. And like with Jonathan Taylor, heck with, with AJ Dillon, right? Like some of these guys that like, that's the, that's the thing that when you look at and you say, all right, like there's uncertainty here. Well, how do I sort of think about that? It was, the, I think the big thing you think about this time of year is, all right, they, they haven't done this, right? They haven't, and, and a lot of times it's running backs they haven't caught. Well, is it running backs that they haven't caught? Does that mean that they that they can't catch or that they haven't caught, right? Because those are two vastly different things, right? Um, you know, in, in my job, right, uh, um, just because I, you know, I, I, I'm a prosecutor, right, by my my other, my, my day, day part-time day job, Um I spent eight years prosecuting cases, right? All types of different cases. I never prosecuted a DWI until I just, I left that job and then I took a part-time job at a different office. And now I prosecute DWIs, right? Does that mean that I, that all along I couldn't prosecute a DWI or did that just mean I hadn't done it yet? (laughs) Again, you, so you have to think about that. Like, like big guy can move really well, really good athlete, never got the ball thrown to him. Right, like, is that because Boston College's offense just doesn't do that to running backs, or is that because he can't catch? Right, like, it's probably like in the grand scheme of things, he probably can catch. The same thing with Taylor. Like, in a small sample size, both of those guys were really good at catching the ball, really good. They just didn't do it that much. And so, what happens? Right, you sort of carry that over, and basically the same stuff is held. Right, Clyde with there still inefficient. Jonathan Taylor still really efficient. Right, like, it hasn't you know? And so you sort of see these things. That's the other thing that like where there's uncertainty. Don't just say it's they can't do it. So much of it is that they haven't had the opportunity. They haven't been asked to, and you just have a really hard time with that, right? That's a big source of uncertainty. Yeah, have to you have to be cautious of. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, well, I'd love to talk about Jonathan Taylor on end. Uh, that mm. would be so much fun, especially revisiting the Jonathan Taylor versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which mm. I posted many things about. But I'm going to let you, uh, you know, see if you can't poke the dragon here a little bit um you know last year you had uh, asked me about cd lamb and i scoffed i would say i i i i dismissed your uh your 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 advances and uh and and laughed you off the stage uh but you had more you know insight and had more questions and i basically was like pass and then mm-hmm. um and then you know i noticed you you caught the 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 Ray Garvin show and you sort of tweet at me like, Hey bro, care to have some CD lamb discussion. Mm-hmm. And of course I would love to have some CD lamb discussion. Mm-hmm. So I will let you take the floor, sir. How would you like to, you know, tell me I was wrong about CD lamb. Um, again, I, I think it comes from a, you, we have to appreciate a lot of the stuff that the NFL is telling us. Um, and the nature of that conversation I thought was, um, is expressing a lot of uncertainty where there was a, as it was expressing a lot of certainty in a situation where we should have been uncertain. And it's not to say that CD Lamb's bad, but one of the things that I think we have to be really careful of is projecting a player, especially a wide receiver, to go from good or very good to great because that's a costly mistake and without a huge amount of upside. Because if you're not right, um, 
you're losing the opportunity to do things at other costs. And this whole started back in June when um, when Ray tweeted something about Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb weren't the, one of the top five duos in the wide in the league. And I said, well, it's because Amari Cooper needs a better wingman. And what I meant by that all along was not that CeeDee Lamb wasn't good, but, but the, the funny part about this, and Ray was so quick to dismiss what I was saying that he didn't really get it, but he the problem that I had with lamb coming out of last season into 2021, you know, coming out of 2020 into 2021 was Dallas made this conscious decision to basically play him three less games than they played Michael Gallup, right? Michael Gallup in 2020 played 1,003 snaps. CD lamb played 730 Right, that is a a, a two hundred and seventy three snap difference, right? Uh, it, it, you know, we're talking th- multiple games of difference there. That's a hu- that is a that's a very concerning thing, right? Um, to me, because ultimately, what does that mean? You're not getting the same amount of targets, right? And and the the thing that the only thing I think that really matters at, at wide receiver is how many targets you get, right? That's the thing that we can project. A lot of everything else is variance around that. Um, and if you're not playing, right, if you're not pl- on the field, it's really tough to get targets. The other thing that was a huge caution, a huge caution, was C.D. Lamb played 85 or 90% of his snaps that year in the slot. And when they went two wide receivers, it wasn't him that was on the field. It was Gallup. And so if we were going to be in a situation where all of a sudden you go, we roll it forward again and we're spending a top three, a top four, a top five dynasty wide receiver costs on the third wide receiver on Dallas, we've made every mistake that we know is a mistake in dynasty. Right. So he can be good, but at the same time, we can't control a situation. And that was the thing that I thought was really, um, we were betting on something that I think historically we don't, we really struggle with, right? We, we elevate wide receivers too quickly. We elevated Amari Cooper too quickly. We, um, heck, we have uh, elevated uh, Sammy Watkins too quickly, DJ Moore. And then what happens? Instead of really getting to an elite level, what happens? They, they sort of balance out at wide receiver twos. And then in two years, they've dropped mammothly in cost because everyone thinks they don't have any ceiling. And then they become a value. Right, um, we did this with AJ Brown. We overcooked his cost, right? Like we've we've we, and we're still doing it with AJ Brown, right? Uh, when the targets just haven't followed, right? And so all of those things, like that, the wide receiver position for dynasty fantasy football purposes, for fantasy football purposes, is about how many targets you can get, right? And and good players get more targets, um, but the fact that he wasn't playing should have been a blaring red light to us. And honestly, it didn't really change. Right in the games when Gallup came, you know, when when Gallup was playing and he was playing, Gallup was playing over him. Right? It didn't really change, and I, that's a caution, right? And that's the thing that I, I I thought all along was like we're kind of missing we're missing something if we're not willing to say that this is a source of uncertainty when we're vaulting him into a top five wide receiver cost. That was my point on CD Lamb. Well, and so far, I guess. I mean, I I don't understand why you would be upset about a player who led his team in targets, catches, receptions, yards. Like like he basically was the alpha on his team. Uh, he was basically, I think, the when? wide receiver thirteen. He went for eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns this, this last year. In tw- this last year, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, uh, uh, he, we're he talking about team. this conversation in the summer of twenty twenty. By the way, yeah, after his rookie year, right. 
Right. And so this past year, he was the best wide receiver on his team, like I said he would be. He went okay. for 14 yards a catch. He went for over 1,100 yards, and he had 79 catches. I mean, mm-hmm. if you tell me that a 22-year-old kid is going to go 80, 1,106, let me help you identify the players who have done that. Do you mm-hmm. think there's a lot of players who have done that? The answer is a resounding no. Here are mm-hmm. the players who have gone – Hold on, I've got it right here. What's the what well, here are the players okay. who have gone right. before their 22nd birthday. Here are the players, so that's including dudes who did it at 22 mm-hmm. years old. So Justin Jefferson right. did it twice. Here mm-hmm. are the players who have gone uh, you know and done what he did. Uh Randy Moss twice, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson twice, Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, Josh Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Clayton. That's it. And mm-hmm. CD Lamb. Those are the players in the history of the NFL and CD Lamb did it. You know, mm-hmm. you want to look at a, a, a thinner, a thinner uh, list of players. Who are the players who have gone? This is easy. This is just 22, eight, 22 years or younger, 200 mm-hmm. targets and 2,000 receiving yards. That's it. Just 200 targets and 2,000 receiving yards in their 22-year-old season. Randy Moss, Justin Jefferson, Juju, Amari, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Josh Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins – fine with him being on that list he's done it and, and everything he's ever done by age 22 is exactly where i thought he would be he's okay, a well, rookie. The, uh, hold on let me finish he's a rookie mm-hmm. at 21 years old mm-hmm. he comes out and he plays in the slot mostly he mm-hmm. was playing with amari cooper who you might have heard was on this list a couple of times mm-hmm. um he goes out and he posts 14 yards a catch if you thin down the list to include players who just had a 60 percent catch rate um, of which he had a 66% catch rate. The list is three players, Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, Juju, and CeeDee Lamb. That's it. Two, 200 targets, 2,000 yards, and 60% catch rate over the first two years of their career by age 22. That's it. It's a mm-hmm. very short list. If you start messing around and trying to make it a long list and say, hey, what about guys who came in at 21 and they go to 23 years old? You only add a couple of guys. You mm-hmm. add a couple of guys David Boston, Alshon Jeffrey, Sidney Rice, Odell Beckham, um, and a couple of David Boston didn't get to the 60% catch rate. There's just not a lot of players who have done what C.D. Lamb has done. And if you look at the ones who have done it, they're all awesome. So he's on a great trajectory, and he's he was the wide receiver 14. I didn't like him a ton in redraft. I thought he was a little bit overpriced going around wide receiver 10, but I was totally fine with him being a top five dynasty wide receiver. And everything I thought he would do, he's done. What are you using to measure that he was wide receiver 13 last year? Uh, Fantasy points per game? Yeah. Fantasy points total? We're talking PPR points per game? PPR, yeah, yeah. He was wide receiver 19. So that uh, yeah, he wasn't wide receiver thirteen; he was wide receiver nineteen. Um, and when you look at his actual um, in terms of total points, right? When you terms of t- total points, he was nineteen. When you look at his actual points per game, um, he was um, he was twenty one. Nineteen, so, nineteen. Yep, fair enough. And if so, you look at so it, there's a on, difference I've got, there. I've got him here at two two nineteen in total fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at wide receiver. Hold on. Wide receiver 13 was 224. So five points difference. I mean, he was right there. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought he was wide receiver 14. I, I was looking at a different uh, – I used half point and first down, so it was a little bit less PPR. He vaults ahead of – that's the point too, right? I'm, I was saying wide receiver 14. 
and he played one he played 16 games I heard Nate List do the thing where if he played just one more game at his average he would have been wide receiver 10 and everybody would have been fine or wide receiver 11 whatever he said mm-hmm. so yes and if um, my if my if my mom had a penis she'd be my dad right yeah, like, and, and if I and mean, if and if CD Lamb wasn't good he wouldn't be the wide receiver four in dynasty but let he me is, ask you a question awesome. let me ask you uh, yeah I mean he yeah he, he's awesome great Okay. Yeah. Right. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have, um, if, and, and uh, we're conflating two things right now because we're conflating a conversation that took place before the season. We're conflating before a conversation that took place now. Before the season. That's right. Yes. Well, you're citing all these stats that he's done through two years. As, but that's what I'm some... saying. Like we were saying after last year, you were concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm saying he put up 1100 yards last year. Why, why would that be, cons- why would that you know, be like, oh my God, I'm totally concerned. He well, led his well, team which, in every major category. What year are you saying that he did that? Are you saying he did that in 2021? This last year. Saying- so after we saw him as a rookie, uh-huh. he ended up being good like I said he would. He was good. Uh, right. And and so you paid top five wide receiver costs for a guy that finished with as many points as Brandon Cooks. And he still holds that value. Okay. So here's where the here's where and you and I will 20, never agree he, on this. Because here's why. Because, right. That's great. But here's the difference. And and here's why I don't think that it's super compelling. Let me ask you this me. question before you go: Who would you have taken instead? Like I'm oh. sure you. Ha- I mean, well, I would have traded. I would Cooper have Cooper Cup, right? Obviously, you were taking Cooper Cup. No. I mean, I would, right? Why would you say that? No, no, I'm, j- I'm joking. Obviously, because no. I, you know, you know, of course, no, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't do. No, I mean, no, no. I, I, but I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't you take can see you trade there. back, but my point is, is that at that pick, you have to pick somebody, and you know, whoever it was, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Justin Jefferson was right there, and he he certainly held his value. I also think he's dope as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, DK Metcalf. What They're not even in year? the same world of players. Who's right? that? Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb aren't even the same world of players. Well, it's just in terms of a volume perspective, it's just a massively different thing, right? But, but, I mean, and here's the here's the thing. Like you look at the entire position, and uh, like it's fine. Like I I will grant you CD Lamb's probably a good wide receiver. Um, you know, when you look uh, over the course of his career, like he's top 10% in terms of yards per route run, like he's top 13, 14% in terms of hit, the percentage of his routes that he's targeted on. Like those are indications that he's probably a good player. Um, total volume is a concern, right? It still is. Right. And if you're going to yeah, post, well, he was 12th in yards per route run last, last year. Right. So 20th in yards per target for a slot quote unquote slot guy. I think that's pretty damn good. So yeah, I'm with you. He's great. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and take him, and I'll. Well, I mean, I, well, like, who are you going to take instead? Who are you going to? I mean, take here's instead? my question. Here's my question. All right, ready? Yeah. Because last year I, I went to my AOD trade database, and I just said I just searched. I, you can search trades, right? And I went back last year, and you could. Would you have rather had CD Lamb, or would you rather had Brandon Cooks in the equivalent of two future firsts? I mean, two future firsts without Brandon Cooks is close because two two future firsts are always. Uh, of high value. So that's a, that's a tough one. Obviously okay. at, at the end of the day, you'd say, Oh, I'd rather have, you know, the one year production of Brandon cooks, but there was no guarantee on Brandon cooks either. Don't There's no guarantee. Brandon right. cooks, the, right? the best bet you could have made over the past, ten, over the past since 2014, there's been two bets that you could make that have been the most consistent bets at the wide receiver position. It's been Mike Evans and it's been Brandon cooks, right? Brandon cooks got hurt one year and his rookie year. Um, he, he didn't, he didn't, have that amount of volume and then he got hurt in LA. Other than that, all he's ever done is produce top 20 finishes. Right? Sure, so but but that, I'm, what I'm saying is if you take all the players that were drafted in and around Brandon cooks and use all of those guys as the data set, I'd rather have mm-hmm. CD lamb. Right. 
I mean, you're you're taking C- Brandon Cooks and saying, well, if I trade down from wherever C.D. Lamb is to wherever um, Brandon Cooks is, I grant mm-hmm. you that Brandon Cooks was an undervalued target. We said that all over the undroppables. Everybody was saying Brandon Cooks was undervalued. Of course he was mm-hmm. undervalued. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is that your point was that you were concerned about C.D. Lamb last year going mm-hmm. into the season. And I was saying that there's nothing to be concerned about. Had you said that the strategy should be any top five wide receiver, you should likely try and trade them to get uh, down in value, then I would actually agree with that. That's actually something that, that me and Mike... two intersecting let me, things let me finish. There. That's something that me and Mike Lou have talked about many, many times, mm-hmm. is that you can't go up in value from top five. Right. If you're a top five wide receiver, you might as well trade that guy into the second, you know, uh, into top 20 somewhere in there and pick up future value. I said it earlier mm-hmm. today, uh, CD Lamb for DJ Morna first. I'm doing it. Let's go. So I'm with you in that value structure, but I'm not with you in that I'm concerned about CD Lamb as a player in this league. Those are two separate co- uh, conversations. Okay. Well, I, I think for both of those reasons that I'm, I mean, I, 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 there's a number of different ways that I can talk about the CD Lamb thing. I think both of those things are, um, are valid cases that I'm making. I mean, it, it, listen. So he ranks um, 21st in terms of targets at 116. If you're going to rank in that range at the position, it's really tough to make a difference. And so you can say all the stuff that you want about second round guys. If he's not going to jump a couple targets per game, he's going to have a hard time making a difference. But of course he he should, right? I mean, that's a terrible bet to make. That's my point. It's a terrible bet to make. Was it a terrible? Because we've bet? done it historically, and 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 it, it's a bad bet to make. It's was a it bad, a bad bet, bet, to bet to make on Randy Moss, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, Josh Gordon, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Clayton. Like you, you have to, you have Why to. Why does make- DJ more cost less than CD Lamb? Because he can't score touchdowns. Because his quarterbacks are terrible. DJ Moore is dope. Yeah, and isn't that kind of ridiculous? Um, sort of, but I'm buying DJ Moore if that's the question. I'm, right. I'm all I mean, in on but, DJ Moore but here's right the now. thing: like we get so super dope about these wide receivers, right? And we do this, right? This is the this is the thing that we do, and this is why. I mean, this is the point. I don't think you should take a wide receiver from between, uh, let's just say, between five and fifteen. Right? Like, I think it's a really bad or three and fifteen, right? That's a horrible place typically to take a wide receiver because what you're doing, what the market is doing, if they're young, I usually because what the market is doing is back. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm I usually don't get them either because I'm trading back. Okay, but but the wide receivers that are young that go in that range, and if you look at this, it's consistent. Go ahead and check out the an AOD. Right, the the, the numbers are right there. Right, you can see it. The difference between uh, wide receivers at that age, it's all age insulation. Okay, and so what's happening is the market is valuing age at a position where, frankly, I think it's a mistake to value age. And what you're doing when you get CeeDee Lamb up there and you say, listen, look at all these good things that he did. I mean, ultimately, he was 21st at the position, you know, depending on how you define a target, I guess. Uh, he's in the 20s, right? He's clearly a wide receiver, too, in terms of targets, right? To overcome that and make a difference, he has to make a, an enormous jump, right? And that's a big jump. We're talking two plus targets a game is a huge jump, right? That is a, that is a big time difference. And if you're going to ask him to do that, you're asking a lot. Okay. You're just asking a lot for a player that frankly, 
we still have questions about his limitations, right? Because did they play him ahead of Gallup? No, right? they still, the same thing happened. Now Gallup got hurt and all those things. Um, you know, uh, that's the spot that you can sort of give him credit for. And so the, the problem that I have in general with wide receivers at that cost is you're baking in so much market insulation of this, right? And your argument for him is like going forward, he's a great value and he may be. But the problem is, is so much of his cost is that and not the production. And you can extract, right? If at any point, and this is the key takeaway I'd have for Dynasty. And again, this gets away from CeeDee Lamb, but he's an example of a lot of things. If at any point, the argument for a player is, look how insulated his value is. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, any any argument is based on that. The moment to, to take advantage of that value is right then. And you you extract the value, especially at a position like wide receiver, especially at a position like quarterback, um, where you can get someone that's fr- that's a little bit further along on the age curve or a lot further along in the age curve, and you can collect the difference between them. Because what you are going to do is you're going to match the production and you're going to get a liquid cost. And by getting a liquid cost, you are no longer subjecting yourself to uh, some of the randomness and some of the the fickleness that goes on in the dynasty marketplace. And if you don't think the dynasty marketplace is fickle, look at DJ Moore and look at what we did with DJ Moore and look at what we did with Amari Cooper and look at what we do with all these guys that are finished as wide receiver twos. We put them as top five, six guys. They balance out as wide receiver twos and all of a sudden we fade them, right? Because in one more year, instead of saying DJ Moore's name, we're going to say CD Lamb's name, right? That's what we're going to say. And so that's my point. Right. That's my point on why you don't take those guys. Right. That's my point on why you don't invest in that range. You're not wrong insofar as there's uncertainty about what will happen. I was talking about whether or not he's a good player, which I don't think there's that much uncertainty about what type of player he is. And so that's just where we were we were misfiring. Uh, in terms of the uncertainty of the situation, you know, if you said that, me and Ray G would have been, probably have been like, yeah, there is some uncertainty of the situation. When you talk about the player, uh, you know, especially for Ray G, who's a college football nut, who has seen this guy dominate for not just the one year that I saw him be good in the NFL. He saw him dominate for three years. Yeah, it's tough to say that the guy's not good. So, you know, everybody, I, I, I have so much Javante Williams. It's absolutely out of control. I feel like I had the 10th pick in every draft. I said this on a couple shows before. Um and I just feel like he fell to me every single time, and I was so happy to click the button. And now Javante is this like supernova, and it's almost making me a little uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I'm like, holy smokes! And and I I kind of want to trade him away, uh, but I also own Najee in a couple of spots where I feel like trading him away would be a wise move. You know, I, I keep thinking about and and to your point about uncertainty, both of these guys hold a little bit of it for me. You know, they're, they're just, I'm just not totally sure, but they're both easily top five dynasty uh, running backs in terms of value when you look across any landscape or rankings or uh-huh. deep trade cut, as you point it. But I'll uh-huh. ask you this, if you could choose for your life, one of these guys in dynasty, Najee Harris versus Javante Williams, who would you take? Harris. Woo! Talk to me. Tell me why. I love that take. That was quick too. Yeah. See, people say that I, I, I talk too much or I don't have clear takes. How about that no, I love that one. That was great. Listen, running back three last year. And I think the thing with Pittsburgh is, and it's interesting because people are like, well, you know, Malik Willis, like if he came in and played for them, like ah, they might take a step back. Like, are, really? Like Roethlisberger was horrendous last horrendous, year. Yeah. And like, 
And so we look at a guy like Najee Harris, top three finisher in terms of points, total points last year. That's an excellent, excellent start. Uh, first round running back uh, with a hit on his resume, like really lucrative start. You know, you're looking 85% of those guys hit for another top uh 24 season heck 61 percent of those guys hit for two more top 12 seasons right that's an that's a really rich uh that's like the big broad target you want to shoot at yeah javante williams I, I like him as a player um what i would say is i'd be a little bit cautious on the fact of you go from good player very good player to elite player that's that's a it's a big jump. It's a big jump at all the positions, um, and that's a, that's a spot that I'm always careful to um, project someone. Right? I'm, I'm and again, this has been a consistent conversation with us. I think the jump from good to or very good to great or an elite is is a big it's a big chasm, and so with him, I I, I liked a lot of what I saw, and I, I think it was a good start. Um, I'm not convinced that he's going to be a Najee Harris level, like bell cow, like Najee was last year. Again, was Najee perfect? No. Um, and you and I, we could nitpick, right? And I think we can nitpick on some of it, which maybe is not the most efficient player, but no, I think we see overall in general, uh, that volume and that sort of workload. And we, we know what that profile has historically done. And so we're go, we're betting on basically that versus one that we would want to ascend to that. Yes. Give me the guy that's already done it, especially at the higher pedigree. Like he breaks basically all the ties. But again, I like Javante Williams. I'd probably have him. Uh, he'd probably be my running back five um, behind um, JT. Um, CMC and Najee. Yeah. 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 That would, and some I, I know order. You, I know you I, love I CMC. And re-rank so. those middle, middle. Yeah those middle three a number of different ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, CMC is still the skeleton key to winning your league if he's healthy right. all, all year. And, I, you know, uh, Bean Counter said it a few times. He's such a CMC fan in terms of redraft and, you know, going forward. And I get it, man. You know, there's a there's a lot of I, – I, I've got a ton of, of CMC going forward. You know, the thing with Javante, it's interesting because Javante had the efficiency and Najee had the volume. And now we look at it as both teams have um, question marks, to say the least, at quarterback. We have yeah. no idea. I mean, if right. if right, we have no idea. It literally could be as as good as tiny hands Kenny Pickett. I mean, as bad as tiny hands <laughs> Kenny Pickett, or as good as Aaron Rodgers on either team. And it's very <laughs> unlikely to be Rodgers because he's going to stay in Green Bay. We, we talked about Deshaun that. Watson could be a player for both of those teams. <sighs> Unbelievable, right? right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Totally. Oh, and you know, we still have the the sort of the death shadow of Melvin Gordon uh, hanging mm-hmm. over Javante Williams. And, and so there's just a lot there, you know, there's a lot to work through. Javante's younger. Javante was very, very good. Uh, I think they're both good. I, I, man, I flip a coin, man. If I were on the clock right now, I'd be so hard to take Javante just with the, with the uncertainty of the situation, mm-hmm. but man, I love the player. So, I'll just say Javante, but man, I've got him back to back. And if we were running a team together and you were that certain, I'd be like, all right, fuck it. Let's take Najee. Let's go, baby. So I love them both. It's really hard to go wrong at that point. But, you know, I think you have some you, you have some uh, opportunity certainty with Najee that mm-hmm. is very comforting. Yeah, very yeah, comforting. Going that's forward. totally that's 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 it. Right. And yeah. I mean, you look at last year and like the interesting part is, again, I partnered with PFF for their stats. Um, uh, they have an expected points per game number um which was he was second in terms of running back expected points per game at 20.2 and he underperformed that right so uh, 
again, like he, he had a really good rookie season, but I still think there was like some meat on the bone that he just didn't, he just didn't get all of it. So that's part of it with me is like, I like to shoot at those situations where it's like a high floor or it's a, it's a really like, he's already producing at a, a, right, right. He's producing at a really high level and there's actually, um, ceiling there that could be captured. Whereas I think with, with Javante, you're, you're sort of saying, all right, he's got like a medium floor right now. And we're sort of projecting a big leap. I'd rather, I'd much rather take the bet on at an equal cost, the guy that has already done it. And you're like, ah, there's a little questions and reservations about like, is he the most efficient versus a guy like, Hey, he's really efficient. We need him to take a leap. I think yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather take that, bet, especially a running back. I'd rather take yeah. that big volume bet at Najee Harris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you could trade Najee or Javante, in my opinion, uh, for 23 first, Plus maybe one of these backs like a Elijah Mitchell or mm. I don't know, someone down there, you know, I mean, as mm-hmm. close to that as you could. I love that because I think in 2022, I keep forgetting the years. I'm just getting old, man. I think that yeah, the, dif- the, the difference isn't as bad, but you know, as you, as you stretch out, you know, I'm not so sure about those guys, but I still love them both. All right, man, mm-hmm. you're great. I appreciate it. We, we, uh, we locked horns a little bit, but you know, I appreciate it. Actually, I like that. So I like people coming on here and, and and throwing their weight around. You were not afraid to do that. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I thank you for coming on. Tell the fine people, the listenership, where they can find you, brother. Yeah, you can go over to uh, analyticsofdynasty.com, get the 2022 edition. Um, and it'll have a lot of the a lot of stuff we talked about and, and um, you know, a lot of the profile stuff. And it's interesting, too, because we go all the way back to at the beginning of the show was about, you know, rookie profiles and, and the like um, a lot of the, the work from AOD will sort of bring you through that and, and, and think about how you want to think about these um, these rookie drafts and sort of strategize around it um, and so definitely uh, take a look at that and again I do it when we get off I have to go record it I gotta I gotta release it for tomorrow at 8 a.m uh, but I re- release a podcast every day uh, Dynasty daily podcast uh, at, for subscribers of analytics of Dynasty um, and we'll be covering the combine all week and then free agency and you know I got my core asset uh, series coming out so yeah it's gonna be it's an exciting time so go ahead and check out analytics dynasty.com I'll have to have you come over and do a uh, trade show with me we'll just we'll we'll pull you know a whole stack of trades and we'll just go for 30 minutes as many trades as you can get you just have to see if you can set the record for me uh you got it man i love it uh I, boy i'm a little long-winded so we might get stuck a few times so sorry right, right. it. I'm, it's you and me so we'll get through like three or four trades it'll be great i did 30 the other day and it took me like 40 minutes so yeah it'll be uh, it'll be fun we'll be good it's awesome i would love to come on you know i would and i appreciate you and on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of the legend michael the beard p duncan philadelphia philadelphia fan oh my god james harden in philadelphia Mm. michael p duncan the people are so happy for you michael p duncan on behalf of jordan mcnamara i am jax falcone and we are out